I very specifically try not to talk about things that everyone else is talking about, but this Jason Aldean song and this Andrew Tate interview give us a chance to talk about something important. We'll start there on the Core Track Show. One of the ways Christian radio should, or podcasting should be distinct from every other genre. In a lot of, quote, Christian radio or podcasting, broadcasting, it's just, hey, here are some headlines that Fox and CNN were talking about, and here's what I think about them. And I, I tend not to want to do that. I tend to think those sources highlight things that are not nearly as significant as they seem to be and that real things that help shape worldviews and help shape philosophies, help shape your instincts on how you think and react in the world, those are happening in other stories. But this Andrew Tate interview with Tucker Carlson has him reemerging on the scene. I've talked about him once before. We'll revisit it. And Jason Aldean's song about small towns taking care of themselves is, has caused an interesting juxtaposition to the Andrew Tate story. We're actually going to talk about those in contrast to one another. And then uh, I do want to do a little bit of politics since we're in that season on why the very successful governor of Florida is just kind of flailing right now and not as I expected. And then if I have time at the end, a very interesting true crime type story. I know everyone loves true crime. Welcome to the Corey Truax Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'm glad you're here. I get to do a lot of things, but one of my favorites, actually it's my second favorite. My favorite is being married to my wife. She's awesome. But then after that, I get to serve the awesome people of Beachwood Church. They are, they are quite the blessing. Uh, and I, I'm thinking about that because I have done Beachwood stuff almost every night this week, and that should exhaust me. And in some ways I'm tired, but man, it's also life-giving. And so it's just great uh, to have a good church home. If you're in the upstate and don't have one of those, come on out. Glad to have you any given Sunday morning. Let's get moving. Jason Aldean is a country star, apparently. I don't. It's not really my kind of music. Even if country was my kind of music, I don't think Jason Aldean's country would be my kind of country. But he released a song you probably heard about, wherein the video shows some of the footage from 2020, where there were various protests that sometimes became riotous in nature, where there's a lot of property damage done, some violence. If, I mean, you remember 2020. We were all around for it. And it shows some of that footage. The lyrics to the song are thus. I'm, I'm not playing you the song because when I've done this in the past, especially since Spotify bought Anchor, they get mad at me and they will take my show down if I have music that doesn't belong to me in shows. So uh, here you go. The song is called Try That in a Small Town. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. Yeah, you think it's cool. We'll act like a fool if you like. That's first one. Uh, just call this a pre-chorus. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. We'll try that in a small town. And the chorus is then, see how far you make it down the road. Uh, you cross the line. It won't take you long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. Second verse is about a gun that he has that he he hears someone's going to try to round up, and then it, it's that ethic. Try that in a small town. Try these things in a small town. So listen to that itemized list. Sucker punch someone on a sidewalk. Carjack an old lady. Pull a gun on a liquor store. Uh, on a liquor store owner. Um, cuss out a cop. Spit in his face. And then stomp on a flag. Light it up. These are the itemized behaviors of the song. And it somehow got denounced 
as a racisty racist song. It's for lynching. It's a lynching song. I could play you a compilation that Washington Free Beacon put together. You can go find it if you want to, of people calling it a, a lynchity lynch racisty racist song. I don't know how you get there when the itemized behaviors are sucker punches, carjackings, pulling a gun, uh, cussing out cops, and stopping on the flag and lighting it up. So, okay, so one, there is something to learn here, and then I want to compare it and contrast to the Andrew Tate world over there in the manosphere. This thing that the country artist is saying is simply, these behaviors that can be prominent and can go unpunished in big city ethos, the, I don't know what the plural ethos is, ethos is, in the ethos that takes up some big cities, you can do these things and seem to not have a consequence. In small town ethos, you cannot do these things and expect not to have a consequence. The, uh, the, the chorus, actually, I left out a line from the chorus. The chorus, chorus has a line that goes, around here we take care of our own. That's a, a concept that I want to even explore with a, a biblical mind. The idea that all right, someone gets sucker punched on a sidewalk. Someone has not loved their neighbor as themselves. They've just for random, for fun, for a TikTok, punched a person on the sidewalk. That was a thing for a little while. It, it is a, an act then of honor for me to defend someone who was sucker punched. It ha- maybe you have to defend them physically, possibly. If an old lady is carjacked, and I do n- absolutely nothing, I guess you know one of the options is you do call the rightful authority to deal with it, but in the moment, even, you might do something. This is taking care of your neighbor. You pull a gun on a liquor store owner, and I in some way try to intervene to protect my neighbor and his property. This is not inherently bad behavior. Some, some of these, you don't, you don't visit violence, I guess, if you don't, you have to. Like someone cuts on a, cusses at a cop or stomps on a flag, lights on a fire. That person's not necessarily doing violence, so you don't respond with trying to restrict violence against your, uh, against your neighbor. The, the point here is, in those small town settings, there is an ethic of taking care of each other. I thought about that in my small town. I mean, easily is not staying small. It's growing quickly. But that scenario where easily became a town where riotous people were getting out of hand on a nightly basis and destroying things. And we have, I thought about Beachwood. We have at least one, uh, excuse me, business owner with a physical location. If that thing were, if that location where he makes his living, takes care of his family, were under threat, and we lived in a locale that seemed to have no desire to do its job, a police force, a, a, a local government that had no desire to defend its citizens' property. Would we take care of our own and not look for any kind of fight, but join with our brother in having some kind of patrol, some kind of guard against those who would do him harm? Maybe. I could I, I could be corrected on that, but I look at the, that small-town value, yes, I, I if you are doing, if someone is doing horrific things to humans, and a the he who has the sword, the government is not doing his job, I got to take care of my neighbor, and that is what 
this is what J- Jason Aldean is saying. It's not a racist thing. There's no lynching involved. It's just saying this idiotic, sinful behavior you can find in a big city sometimes. By the way, it's not nearly as common as a lot of media on the right try to make you think. I, I, actually, in 2020, I spent a lot of time in big cities because no one else wanted to travel. So for the university I, I worked for at the time, I spent some days in Milwaukee, spent some days in Dallas. It was in 2021, I spent some days in Denver. There were some of the things that folks folks on my general side of things said about cities that were true. There's a lot of homelessness. Denver really did smell of marijuana when I was downtown, just everywhere you went. But it's not nearly as bad as you think it is when it comes to some of these crime things. But the point here is Jason says, Jason Aldean's song does not have a, a bad ethic to it. I think we can in good conscience defend it, but I can be corrected on that if you want to correct me. It's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax, or you can email the show at show at gmail.com. Now, that's one set of facts, the Jason Aldean song, this idea of defending your neighbor. I would put that in the category of doing what a man should do. As, as men, we would defend our property and our, and our families and those in our community that are being taken advantage of. We, that's one of the things we'll do as men. Now, we're in a national, I would even put it a Western world, uh, crisis of what manhood is and how to be a man, how to act out masculinity. One of the figures who has risen to the top of that, uh, to answer that question is a guy named Andrew Tate. He's a, he was a gigantic TikTok figure, had a, a very large following. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of views I don't know his nationality. He sounds hackneyed British. He was apparently a uh, kickboxer who turned into an online figure primarily for his version of masculinity. Now, I've talked about before on the show. I I don't want to review too much. The problem we have is now two or three generations of a majority, or at least a very close to majority, group of men who did not either have dads around or the dads they had had around didn't have dads around or they that the dad was around and just not all that active and so young men were looking around at a feminizing world and asking how do I do this they don't know they were asking that question it was an internal question the internal question is how do I be a man what's it look like because I'm even specifically being told by my by my school setting, that some of my rambunctiousness is a problem. So I need to act like the girls more, be be more sedentary, docile, if I'm going to succeed in this setting. I'm being told that some of my, uh, that I can be toxically aggressive, and sometimes men were, by the way, don't, don't discount that. So there's a big question of how to be a man, and Andrew Tate comes along, along with other people who have good things to say, like a Jordan Peterson, all these people I would mention are not Christians, but they come along and say to young men on the internet, I'll teach you. I think that's why Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast in the world. I think there's a bunch of men in their 20s, 30s, even 40s who didn't have dads and they needed a dad figure and Joe Rogan is their dad figure. Through the microphone every day, he says this is what manhood looks like. And it is a bit, I don't like the word cartoonish. Let's just go with exaggerated. It's, it's get in the gym. It's do jujitsu. Learn to fight. 
do your stereotypically masculine things. It should be a, a call to us in the Christian world. There's apparently a bunch of young men out there who have no idea what it looks like to be a man and need that modeled. Now, Andrew Tate got arrested in Romania, question mark, question mark, and is being accused of running a criminal syndicate for sex trafficking and doing illegal online pornography. He has been charged with other types of sexual assault charges. Those are all pending. And he recently did a a two-and-a-half-hour interview on uh, the Tucker Carlson show that Tucker does on Twitter. I've not watched any of that. I don't particularly care for him. I didn't listen to any of that interview except some of uh, the clips. Now, some folks in Christian media have done a good thing. They've gone back to do a deep dive on on Tate so as to try to expose who he is and try to get especially Christian young men to stop listening to him. So here's just a montage someone put together of some old Andrew Tate interviews. Listen to me. Your kids, your grandkids, some of your, your what are they called? Uh when it's not your niece, it's your nephew. Your nephews, they are listening to him, and p- people like him. So it's, it's good for us to know what kind of character they are. And then I have some words of counsel in response. Here's a compilation of Andrew Tate. So yeah, on CorporateTate.com, I have my PhD program, and that is a uh, PhD is a pimp and hose degree. That I'm, um, Clever. And that, Clever. That, that, that teaches basically how I got girls, how I met girls, how I got girls to like me, how I got girls to fall in love with me to work on webcam for me. Because that's what I did. That was my, my MO was find girls, make them love me, and make them work for me. So a couple things. One, yeah, it's not clever. Pimp and hose degree, your PhD, is not, it's not clever. It's demeaning, it's terrible, and it looks at women as a product, not a human. I just want to highlight that this, uh, he apparently has this class, I saw in other clips, he has this, uh, this class he gives where he calls this the lover boy method. If your end goal is be such a baller, be such a desirable man that you can get women to fall in love with you and then get them to do sexually explicit things on camera so that other men can watch them and you can make money off of these women. How to gather for yourself a stable of women to make money off of. One of the ways, he says, is the lover boy method. That's what he just described. Young guys, I can teach you how to get girls to like you. Now, that starts quite innocent, doesn't it? Most 16, 17, 18-year-old guys, that's something they're very interested in. How can I be charming enough to attract a woman? Andrew Tate says, with a lot of authority and a lot of confidence, bro, I will show you. Let me show you how to get a girl to fall for you. And then it's in the end, uh, then you can use her and use her body to make money for you. And that's how I got rich. I was all about trying to get paid. Like my whole, I used sex as a tool to make women love me so they'd obey me and live in my house to make me money. That, that's what I wanted. So I was a pimp in that sense. Like I was not trying to have sex with women. I was trying to get women to obey me. And I realized that's easier if they like to have sex with me. <laughs> if they don't like having sex with me, it's pretty hard to make them listen to me. So those were from a few- I pulled that audio, by the way, from Allie Beth Stuckey. That's why you heard her at the end. You hear this? This is the guy. There were, there were more. There was more compilation of him saying what he is. I mean, there's also some anti-Christian things that he has said in the past, saying that uh, ultimately Islam is obvious where we all, we're all headed in history because the Christian God doesn't take honor enough for himself and the Islamic God demands honor. So you got Tate out here selling a masculinity that sort of looks like the thing Jason Aldean is saying in that song. 
it's it's rough. It's muscular. It's saying to to young men, get in shape, get get a lot of money, get success, and as you do that, you'll be able to draw women to yourself, and then you can use those women to get more success. This next uh, clip, I I did not. The word I'm looking for is I did not screen it pre uh, before hitting play, so I don't know we're about to get. But let's listen to some more Andrew Tate together. The females are absolutely an asset, and if you disagree with me, walk in the club with ten blondes, and you'll see who the most important guy in the club is. The champagne shows. That is, uh, yeah. So use women as an asset. So not a human. Use women as an asset is the message. Here's one more clip from him. Of six years plays along. So Vivian's been with me six years. She's completely head over heels in love with me. She wants kids with me, everything, everything, everything. And we met and we fell, whatever, we're in love. When I bring on new girls, I usually pair them with Vivian. Because Vivian's younger. Melissa's like 28, Vivian's like 21. Vivian's younger, she's more fun, more outgoing. Melissa's really quite, not in a bad way. She's more homey, boring. Okay, so. And there's Ali Bestucky again. All right, so we have all you need to know about this guy, I think. He's not someone for anyone to follow, but he is answering the question of masculinity with this exaggerated view. All right, I want to tie these things together. Jason Aldean, Andrew Tate. This, there's two similar pictures here in one way. It's about aggression and masculinity. What does being a man look like? Well, you you might need to be intimidating. You might need to have a presence that says you could be a threat if someone gets out of hand. The way in which we use men, men, the way we use that presence, that's the difference between Jason Aldean and Andrew Tate's message. The Aldean message was use that instinct. Your instinct that could be intimidation or violence, use that to care for someone else. Andrew Tate's version is, use that to get things for you. You are the center of everything. I could go on about Andrew Tate, but I, I, think, it's, I think that's enough. His words speak for himself. He's someone to warn people against. But then we run into this problem. Well, Jason Aldean's version of masculinity is incomplete. Andrew Tate's is incorrect. So what can we offer to young men? I was doing a lot of errands today, and I didn't listen to stuff. I just asked myself that question so that I could be ready to say these things into this mic. What should we say to our young men about what masculinity is in manhood? I think the key word is responsibility. It is to say to our young men, some of, some of my listenership is college students and just recent college grads, young men, so you may, not, you may need to hear this too. Your job is responsibility. And number one, responsibility to your God. To do what he purposed you for and what he made you for. To image him on the earth and to take dominion over the part of the world that he's given you, whatever influence you have. So you take responsibility. You, you're responsible to your God and what he calls you to do. The two, you're responsible for yourself. You show some self-discipline. So that does mean some of the Jordan Peterson stuff. That's kind of where he starts. What do, you, what do you do as a man? Get up and make your bed. Like I don't even do that, by the way. I'm highly responsible, but I think making the bed is a self-defeating thing. But his idea is take care of yourself. Manage your time. Don't be frivolous. 
Make yourself better. Improve yourself. Pick a skill that you want to get. Pick a fitness level you want to get to. Go after it. Be responsible for yourself. God has this God that you're responsible for. Excuse me, responsible to. He's given you some base level of talent, skill, ability, gifting, health, intellect. Don't waste those. Be responsible for yourself to develop yourself. And then as you age, that does mean taking care of yourself as an independent man. It's getting out of mom and dad's house. It's figuring out a way. Take care of you so that you can go on to number three. You're responsible to your God. You're responsible for yourself. And you're responsible for your community. You start to recognize life's not about you getting pleasure. Life's not about you getting money. Life's not about you getting more fame. You are defined in masculinity by your role to others that you provide and protect, that you contribute, that you don't take from your community, but you are a contributor from your community. And then sometimes that's going to look like taking because you have been contributing. Sometimes you have to take from the goodness of others, but your disposition is to serve your community. And then that final thing then is I've been responsible to God. I've been responsible for myself. I've shown myself to be a responsible person in the community. So now I can be responsible for a woman. I can marry her. And one of the ways that I'm now going to be responsible even to my community is that we're going to take on the idea of building a family. Of course, that looks different for everybody. We're now decades into a pretty giant fertility problem, men and women, think that's linked to some dietary things we did, but I don't, as a country, but I'm not sure. We, but we, we take on the idea of being responsible now for our wives and responsible for our families. Because the entire country, the entire community, wherever you are, is going to be dependent on healthy families, healthy households. So you take care of your household. You take care of the things God gives you. What is manhood? What is masculinity? It's responsibility. Find some people to be responsible for and be responsible for them and take care of them with excellence. This gives us, it's, it's some like, uh, oh, good way to say it. Thank you, Lord. It's being responsible for future generations. It's one of the keys to growing up is deferment of gratification. Being willing to not eat that Oreo right now because you want to be in better health later being willing to order the grilled chicken salad and not that seven cheese pasta bowl because you care for your health and you want later on to be healthier. I'll give you just one more example. It's not nutrition. It's not binging the four hours of that show and instead picking up your Bible, picking up a book, doing something to actually develop yourself. We defer gratification. It's one of the things that we've, we must do as men is recognize in any given moment, what our indulgence or allowing for, not calling away from those who are responsible for, when they are being indulgent, that's going to hurt them later, so call them away from it. We are such a, we're so focused on now and getting everything we can right now that we really are hurting the generation behind us. I mean, I, the one that comes to mind immediately is, just think about how we spend money as a government. It, it can't go on like this. It's going to hurt them. There are children in, our, in my church right now, there are children in my life right now who will suffer economically. Their wages will suffer. 
their ability to build the uh, to build an economic life it's going to suffer their job situation is going to suffer because adults right now won't tell themselves no we want what we want right now and because of that we will hurt the children behind us but it's 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 in lots in lots of ways in the church we want approval right now from a given culture and so we compromise on a doctrine that will hurt our kids later because they saw us compromise. This is part of not, this is no longer about masculinity. This is about adulthood. Adulthood has to be, godly adulthood has to be future focused. We got to think about our, gener- the next generation and the, and the next 100 generations after that. We have to think about their future. I think it should be our, our animating energy is what can we do now to make sure the world is better later. Not, what do I want right now? That, uh-uh. Our, our, our animating energy cannot be, what do I need right now? It's got to be forward-facing. A, 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 a people group that is so obsessed with themselves will collapse on itself. I mean, I, I'll give you two more, of it, two more points because they just hit me. One is, I, I think about this more now because... I think we're on a long, a long project. Christians are on a long project of having a world that is not so miserable, having a world that's not so confused, having a world that does not, does not cause so much human hurt. And on that long project, we are going to need healthy households. And healthy, healthy households are made up of godly men and godly women. So I'm, I'm even thinking right now, I pray, <laughs> I pray that the Lord will have good Christian men for all these little Christian girls at, at our church to marry. And I pray that there are Christian couples right now having, having girls that they grow up as godly women that our, our boys can marry. I, I, that's what I'm thinking about. And I want them to then have some kids and raise those kids for the next generation because we're going to have to build these families. So even that is future-oriented. Like for, for a man or for a woman. What are we doing? What's my purpose? Well, there's a world that's going to keep on going after you're gone. And your connection to it is what kind of impact you can have on it. One incredible way to have an impact on it is put some people in it. And put some people in it that will take care of their neighbors. Put some people in it that will love their God, love their neighbor, create good things, create peace, create shalom in the world. Do that. Put some people in the world that will lead to flourishing. That connects you to the future. It's future-facing. And so that when the time comes, I think the old hymn is, when the death dew lies cold on my brow, when it is getting towards the end, you know, what, what did I leave? Well, you put some people in the world, some ideas into the world that will lead to flourishing later. That is being future-focused. I said I had two things, but I can't remember what the other one was now because I got so much into that point. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. I just made that point about COVID a lot back when we were dealing with it. It's like every policy choice was screw the kids. I, I want I want to be safe right now. Well, they're gonna have gigantic learning loss. We we we're only now finding out the different uh, psychological and even speech speech pathologies that came because of not being able to see people's faces with regularity. All the different problems we had with young kids developing during the pandemic and how we reacted to it. And the attitude just always was screw the kids. We got to protect protect ourselves. We're not going to take any risk on ourselves, and the kids can just deal with it. That was our orientation. These are the attitudes 
of a people collapsing on itself. The attitudes of organizations and companies and countries and churches and families that are going to flourish are future-focused, and then men and women taking responsibility for their part in it. All right. Two more things. That was Jason Aldean versus Andrew Tate versus an actual Christian view of masculinity. Two more stories. Uh, you're listening to The Court Act Show, by the way, wherever you find podcasts. Glad you're here. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I don't really get on threads anymore. But if you are there and you want to follow along, cool. Just look for my weird name, Corey Truax, and my email is Show at gmail.com. If you didn't follow the story, there is a young woman in Birmingham, Alabama, who seems to have faked her own abduction. Her name is Carly Russell. You can Google the story if you want to get into the, the depths of it. I don't want to do that with you. I just want to make one point. We're in a true crime moment. I'm in it, by the way. That's what in part marriage did for me is give me a genre of entertainment I probably would have otherwise not gotten into. I like true crime. It's fun. But like right now on Peacock, there's a Kaylee Cuoco show that is about a couple in California starting a true crime podcast. There's a show over on Hulu right now with Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Like we're talking, especially Steve Martin and Martin Short. These are some kings of comedy are doing a show about starting a podcast on on a on, on, a, on a murder that they, they know about. Like, we're, we're in that time. We're deeply into it. And so one of the ways our national pathology will show itself is people will want the attention that they do want and know that true crime is one way to get to it. So this woman is now being berated down in Alabama for, for what she's done. There's a chance that she had a some kind of mental health crisis breakdown situation. That's a possibility. But it's just a good commentary for us to recognize attention is in some ways how people are defining themselves today. It's not even any more the just the number of reactions they get on the internet from various social media sites. Like there's a desire to be a real figure. And that's leading folks to do dark things like fake their own abductions. It's a bizarre story. It's an interesting one. I've, I think it's worth reading up on, but the cultural commentary there is just really that one thing. The human heart runs to attention. It will lie to get attention. It will it will, it, it will deceive to get attention. And while we can criticize people who do that, it's also a pretty good idea for us to just monitor our hearts and see what we're willing to do to get attention. This woman was Carly, what was her name? Carly Russell was willing to fake her own abduction. Final thing. The Florida governor running for president is flailing like I did not expect. He's firmly in second place, and I think he's going to be firmly in second place this entire process and this entire time. But he, his, uh, his inability to break through the 20 or 25% polling nationally puzzled me. And so I gave it some time. I probably gave it 10 minutes to think about because that's just not a world that really deserves a lot of my thinking. And I think it was just this. COVID doesn't matter to anybody anymore. It's over now. It's in that way we are actually, we are a future-focused people in that our attention spans are not long. And whatever happened in 2020 and 2021, man, I'm done with that. I'm moving on. Like, heck, I'm even oriented that way. 
But this race started, and I thought, he's going to have a really good COVID argument. He's going to say to people who really don't like Anthony Fauci for whatever reason, your, your preferred candidate over here, he gave the country to him. He let, he, let, he let health officials run everything. He just gave the country over to those people. I thought that was going to be effective, and he kind of did it. I thought he was going to be able to come at Trump from the right some and, and say, you know, he, he had four years and accomplished, you know, did, did some okay on some taxes things, but, you know, all that stuff you want, the, whatever, the draining of the swamp thing, whatever. He, he, he didn't do that, and when the crunch time hit, he just let health officials take over the country. I thought that was going to be effective. And I was so wrong because we've just forgotten about COVID. And so I think he's done the probably the right thing now. There is nothing the American right hates more than the American media. Like, listen, I mean that. You go through the, quote, woke universities or uh, what are some other bugaboos of the right? The, or Hollywood, like all the institutions that people that are generally associated with me do despise, the thing they despise the most is the American media. And so I think that's where DeSantis is going to go now, is just put himself on TV with mainstream media people, get interviews with those folks, and then try to be kind of combative. That's, I think that's the strategy. Um, if you, here, here's, has always been my, uh, not always. This is the conclusion I came to on why Trumpism was triumphant with so much on the right. A lot of folks on the right just know what they didn't like. They know the people that don't like them. That would be academia, media, Hollywood, for that matter, most of the government. Those institutions don't like the right. And Trump just seemed for them to be this it's a podcast. I should. I can't technically say what I want, but I'm also a Christian and don't want to say these words. He was a big epithet. He was a big curse word at them all. And so they just liked that he made him mad, that, that he made their enemies mad. I think that has to be part of the formula if you're going to overtake him, is you actually have to go to the, the universities, Hollywood, media, and you have to be mean to them. That is what draws attention. I think it's the route he's going now. Uh, but I think that's it. Why, why did DeSantis come on the scene and just flail about and not catch fire? I think primarily because COVID is not, and, and how we handled COVID, it's just not the argument I thought it was going to be. All right, uh, next week. Spotify now has this thing called Riverside, I think, where you can video the podcast on Spotify. It's a pre-recording. I think I'm going to try it. I played around with it today. So I think I'm going to try to add a video component. It'll only be on Spotify. I guess it'll be on Riverside, but then Spotify posts it. I don't know how it works. I'm going to try to work on that this, uh, in the coming weeks. It's still a preaching month for me, which is, it just adds a lot of hours of preparation. So I may, maybe not. So in the next two or three weeks, I want to try to do a, uh, a, a video ver- version of this thing over on Spotify. All right, I got to get out of here. Uh, thanks for listening to the Corey Act Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'll be back with another new edition next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.